Welcome to The Mentor List, a source of sound advice with your host, David Lewis. To seek support and you need to allow yourself to be supported. Really have a point of difference. What is precious, what's really important, and then putting some boundaries there. The Mentor List specialises in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List. Hello and welcome to today's show. Today we're having a chat with Richard Elstone. Richard is an executive search consultant. He has 20 plus years in executive search and has placed many high profile individuals into high profile roles here in Australia. So great to get the perspective of the guy on the other side of the desk that is interviewing people like you and me and to find out what it is that he's looking for and how we can land that dream job that we all sort of aspiring to land one day potentially. So I do ask Richard, tell me a little bit about yourself, which is often the question that comes up a hell of a lot in a hell of a lot of interviews. So hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Richard Elstone. Richard Elstone, welcome to The Mentor List. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Well, I'm very, very excited to ask you my first question, which I ask everyone, just because you've probably asked this question of people more than me, which is some variation of, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself or why you're here today, or you might be able to give me another few thousand other Well, there variations. are loads and loads and loads of those type of things, yeah, but it's, uh, but I think the key really is, you know, it's all about a story. And I suppose my story in executive recruitment sort of started in the late 1980s, 1990s, and went all at a time when there was no, the only computer in an in a executive search office was with with, a, with an EA or a PA. That was the only computer that was in use. And I had to use sort of those Refidex uh, or, you know, those uh, cardboard files to sort of yeah. keep my client notes on and all those sort of things. Yeah, that's exactly, like, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like that. exactly right. That's exactly right. And my only reference uh, point at that was there was the business who's who. And I must tell you a little bit about a little story I had at the time. And I, I rang up a guy I've subsequently met who's a fantastic CEO. His name is Bob DL. And I made the rookie mistake in my late 20s when I rang up his EA and said, could I speak to Bob Dalziel? And wow. she knew immediately <laughs> that, that I'd never spoken to Bob ever before because <laughs> that's not how you pronounce his name. So, but recruitment has changed a hell of a lot since then. You know, I then very briefly had my own business in the mid 1990s, really as an executive search firm, but realized that I really wasn't a person to work by myself. After my kids were born, I um, went and joined uh, a very well known company. It was now defunct uh, called Hamilton, James and Bruce back in Sydney before coming down to Melbourne in 2006 to set up their technology recruitment search business here in Melbourne. Then later on, went and joined an organization to give them a hand with starting up their Melbourne operations before eventually going into executive search with Derwent Executive. And it was my current business partner, Jason Foley, who he and I used to work together back at HJB days about 20 years ago. And he got me in to, to join him at Derwent. And he's been on at me for the last uh, three years to come and join him since starting up um, Foley Durham. And so I've joined him last November. But in that whole time, I think 
executive search has really has completely changed. I mean, uh, we have been disrupted from every sort of angle. Mm. You know, LinkedIn has come in. The internal recruitment teams are out there, and they are the competition of the executive search firms and and the and the recruitment companies. And so we've constantly have to evolve and completely change the way we do things in our particular sector to really stay relevant. Yeah, because I guess LinkedIn coming in, because if you think back to you know the power of some of the bigger recruitment companies, is the power of their database, which was you know the initial draw card for them. They could send you 10, 20 quality candidates. But I guess it's just changed so much now that I can just jump on LinkedIn and go and find myself 10 or 20 or that everybody's got access to that database now. So I guess it's yeah heavily disrupted your industry and how do you how does that sort of change how you operate it's completely changed the way we operate but it's really interesting i've got a little story of a, a sort of a, a a role i did actually very recently in, in with a client uh, in in december the client was talking they were looking for a new cfo and the client was talking about the fact that they wanted somebody that had been a cfo ideally that probably worked in asia understood technology or had run technology as well as being a CFO that understood you know how they wanted an all-round executive not a traditional finance executive there was a lot more to it than that the guy that I uh, but in that meeting I'd thought straight away and wrote down the candidate that actually got the job and that's 30 years of executive search experience really I mean you can't get that out of a LinkedIn that's just understanding really the client, their needs, and really asking the right questions, if you like, of the client to really get a really good understanding about what it is that they are looking for. And then out of that comes the, you know, the, the potential solution for the client. And so that's placement of someone that's not necessarily looking, but you know would be a great fit and probably a good move for them. You know, I tend to find that most of my clients are passive job seekers anyway and they really do expect me to keep them informed about what's going on in the market space nine times out of ten 99 times out of 100 you know you keep them informed and they're not really looking to move but they really appreciate being you know informed about opportunities as and when they come up and if they're not the right person for the role or they're not interested it tends to be those people will tend to recommend other people. Yeah. And it really that's really the key. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the power of search, really. You know, if you're looking for somebody that's good and you're asking your very good network about who that might be, then basically that's why search has ends up with having such fantastic candidates coming through the process. And we were sort of chatting before we started recording about some of the networks that have you know, that are coming back now that you've talked to people many years ago and you're talking about how small Australia really is or just how small the market really is when you are sort of linked in. And is there any advice you'd have for sort of the listeners around, you know, how to develop those networks or, you know, you talk about passive job seekers and, you know, I think we all probably are passive if we're honest to ourselves. But is there a, yeah, is there a hack or a, or some tips you could give to us to, to stay actively passive and well you know networking is basically what it's about it is about working and working your network and it's really really important that you do that there are a load of people that i know that are sort of 20 
or 25-year veterans in organisations and then they suddenly find themselves out of a role and they realise that they haven't been actively networking and they find it a struggle to pick up their pick up the pieces if you like so it really is it is about networking one of the things that i strongly suggest if people sort of get into a moment where they think that they may be coming up for a redundancy is well before that really just starting to activate those networks people love giving advice david but they honestly do you know you just need to pick up the phone and you speak to someone and said david think I'm going to be reaching a career crossroads at some point. Can I buy you a coffee? I'd love to get your advice about, you know, what it is that you think that I should be doing. You know me really well, David, and it'd be great to get your advice. People love it. People love giving advice. It's one of the things that I would strongly suggest that people do that. Yeah, great. I can't hold off any longer asking about the one question. Like, so it, it always gets asked, you know, tell us about yourself or some variation it's of that in, most a, in an interview. So do you want to tell us about that it, dynamic, it is that It question? is the most important question in an interview. Tell me about yourself or why are you here or, you know, what attracted you to this role or whatever it might be. That is the Basically, the answer is exactly the same. You need to have a really polished answer to that that's probably three to five minutes long. Any shorter than that, it's really not a story. Any longer than that, and people will think that you'll never shut up. So it needs to be three to five minutes long and really tell a story. I've got a really good example of a guy that I recently gave a hand to who was looking for a new role and I said to him he said well you know can you give me some interview coaching which and I said yes absolutely and I said well let's start off with tell me about yourself and he went ahead and told me his story in 30 seconds it was boring it didn't mean anything there was no characters or anything and I said well we've got a long way to go it took me three (laughs) hours to get him to you know to get it absolutely right So what we did is I sort of said to him, well, tell me everything about your career. And so after half an hour, I got a good idea. And I said, well, you don't need to say everything. How long have you been in Australia? He said, well, I've been in Australia 20 years. I said, well, why don't we start there? I've been in Australia 20 years. And then we worked out from there. Basically, so what we found out is that he didn't need to talk about his entire career from all the way when he was at university. But, you know, we started the story at a point And I think that's probably the most important thing. Stories have characters in them. Great to have a little sprinkling of things, you know. Are you married? Do you have kids? Just, you don't need to say terribly much about it, but if you can just sprinkle a couple of things in, it just helps round out, you know, who you are as a person. The other thing is you don't need to mention every single job that you've done. If you're a transformational CFO, for instance, We'll talk about your first transformational CFO experience that you had. Go into a little bit of detail about that. But if your next two roles weren't transformational, really don't talk about them and talk about your current role. So basically, overall, what you need to do is you need to talk about your experience and then the story should reflect who it is that you are trying to portray. Does that make sort of sense? Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. It's actually, yeah, a lot more thought gone into sort of three to five minute delivery. Um, I can see how that would be very effective. 
Yeah, well, the the great thing about it is that ultimately what happens is that you as the interviewee and the interviewer are relaxed at the end of it. You know, you have the floor. You can literally stake your claim for that new job in that first three to five minutes for the role, of the role, particularly if it ties back to why it is that you're sat there. Going back to the guy that I, that I helped, we got his three to five minute speech organized and he used that speech for all of the six interviews that he was going for and didn't change it once and got the role. So that just gives you some idea how important that whole Sorry, this is six within the same role. Six interviews yeah. within the same company for the same role. Yeah. He used it six different times and was so comfortable at using it, he just continued, he didn't change it at all and he got the role. Fantastic. Cause that's something I hadn't really considered at this exact level. It's not just you, you, know, you aced an interview. There's actually a whole process and sequence and I imagine this spans over many, many months potentially. It can span over many, many months. Uh, you know, six six interviews, ten interviews is is not uncommon. You know, particularly in an executive role, and you could be talking to your boss, you could be talking to your peers, you could be talking to your team. Then, you know, particularly if you're going for a CFO or a CEO role, you could be then talking to the board as well. And that's again a very, very different interview. And it sort of gives more context around why you. you you'd be passively looking because if you're actually looking for a role and with that sort of lead time, if that's your kind of roles that you're eligible for, it's actually going to be quite a while till your first paycheck, assuming you're successful in you know one of the first couple or the, the right role comes around. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of organizations that they hold their executives to a sort of three or six month notice period. So it's, it can be a very, very long time for an executive actually starts in a role as well. So... A lot of people sort of, you know, try and ignore that too. And so is there any habits that that you have or any habits that you've seen work well or bad in interviews that you could share? Well, there is a big no-no and that is on a boardroom table. Typically they are, you know, rectangular. Whatever you do, don't sit at what is perceived to be at the head of the table. If you're, particularly if you're an interviewee, just, just, Whatever you do, don't do it. It's it's a power role. Typically, you're going to be told to go into an interview room, and you're going to have the choice of any chair that's that's there. Try and make sure that it's sort of facing the door. If it's if you're only going to be there for a couple of minutes, even just keep standing up and wait for the person to to come in. But always make sure that you stand up as soon as the interview comes into the room and smile. And shake hands and, you know, just be engaged. That's the probably the most important mm. thing. The other little thing is that never answer a hypothetical question with a hypothetical answer. Try and find an experience that directly relates to the hypothetical question. Asking loads of hypothetical questions typically can happen if you have an inexperienced interviewer. They'll say, well, you know, tell me what you would do if this happens or tell me what you would do if that happens. And I remember there was a, my top, it was a top candidate that this was, this happened only about sort of 12 months ago. Yeah, yeah. My top candidate for a particular role who interviewed brilliantly with me. And obviously he was asked all these hypothetical questions and they said, he's a lovely guy, but he's never done anything. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just answered every single hypothetical question with a hypothetical right. answer. Got it. 
Well, we'll take we'll take that learning and, and share it with everyone. The next question was sort of around. So we're talking about yeah, answering questions in the interview room, and I guess I don't know if it's a new phenomenon, but there's these behavioural based sort of interviews where they're quite structured and well, I, I see them as an unnatural conversation. But what are you? How do how do people prepare for those types of interviews, or what's your sort of general view on them? So preparing for behavioral interviews is really really important and you know some of those questions could be hypothetical you know some of them aren't again going you need to tell a story and in these type of situations a story have characters and my suggestion is just mention the first name of somebody or whatever it might be within the answer so Tell me about a time when you had a phone call from a client when, for instance, they decided to cancel an order and what you did about that, as a for instance. So instead of just answering, yes, I remember when that happened, yada, 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 and just keep rabbiting on, if you mention the name of the client, so yes, I remember when Fred from XYZ Company rang me to say the same thing, you can almost picture yourself being back at the desk, being on the phone call and you'll and you'll have this a moment of clarity and you'll be able to tell the story about what actually happened because there's suddenly some characters involved in the interview and I think that's really really important so you know if you can name a name or name a company or whatever it might be I think it's going to be a lot easier if you had to performance manage a particular candidate as another you know performance manager team member and to turn them around if you can mention the first name of that person sue or david or whoever it might be you'll suddenly bring to mind who they were and what the issues were next question was so i know you've got a a new product out there in the market i sort of wanted to talk about that as well because just for the listeners benefit certainly could be something of you know extreme value if we could maybe dig into that a little bit and so the executive brain the executive interview coaching business yeah. Uh, yeah, so basically, I mean, I've been having a lot of demand from executives who are looking to make a move in sort of three to 12 months, in six to 12 months' time. And they've really, you know, their resumes are, you know, that the resumes aren't prepared and they don't know how to get themselves into interview mode or whatever it might be. And I've been helping a number of friends with this and they've always really appreciated it. The momentum has been building and people have been saying, well, I think it would be a terrific thing to be able to have some sort of formal structure around that to help prepare for the interview, to get my resume ready. Can you give me some coaching around that? You know, And so I've developed a number of sessions. The first one really is, is called Resume Ready. So really what it is is sort of three one-hour sessions looking at the person's existing resume and then letting them understand what executive search consultants or headhunters or hiring executives might look for in a CV and then helping them really sort of give them the guidance around that to get their resume up and running and then critique it over a number of months or weeks. Just have a question on the resume because, mm. I mean, let's say you've, I think we worked out that you've interviewed in excess of 6,000 people. people face-to-face and yeah. I guess, you know, if we're looking at a bit of a funnel to get, an individual in the room, mm. you're looking at X hundreds number of, of thousands, res- hundreds of thousands of CVs. So, uh, I guess if I slid mine across the desk, you could quite easily make a judgment or form a view of that my CV. 
what gets your initial attention? Like if you're pumping through them like a sausage factory or something, yep. how do I make you stop and go, oh, hey, have a look at Dave's resume? <laughs> okay. Well, the average amount of time that I spend looking at a CV just to, before I then make a decision about whether I'm going to read it in more detail, is probably between 20 and 30 seconds. Right. So you need to grab my attention to be able to do that. And my little hack really here is there should be some numbers in the CV. And I'm not talking about dates. I'm talking about percentages, increase, decrease, numbers. In all the words, they draw the eye. Right. I increased uh, revenues by 26%. Great. So the first thing I'm looking for is the 26%. And then I'm looking for the words that surround it, increase, decrease, whatever it might be. Yeah. And then I'll read the rest of the paragraph. So... You know, I'm looking for people, you know, well, it's particularly in an executive situation that have made a difference to their organizations that they work with. That's really the key. And it's it's when you see those numbers, the little bell goes off and, and you already know because you see those numbers in the CV that basically we're looking at, you know, we're looking at a person that's made a fundamental difference to the company that they work for. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing. Be sure to uh, update my resume tonight when I get home with a couple more stats. Okay, so sorry, I, I did jump in there. So we, you mentioned the the first phase or the three one-hour sessions and then following after and that. And then after that, I've got another area which is called interview ready, which is sort of going very much into getting the executive prepared for the interview process, dealing with that first question, that first impression. Ten years ago, first impressions were, has the person got polished shoes? Have they got a tie? Have they got a nice blouse on? Are they not wearing any perfume or are they wearing something? Is everything beautifully done? Ten years later, we're a lot more casual, but you know, it's, it's dealing with those type of situations. It's constantly evolving. And I think there are lots of people, particularly if they haven't been out in the job market for a while, that really don't know where to start in terms of getting themselves ready for for the interview. It's dealing with that first question. It's dealing with those behavioral interview questions and what questions themselves should they be asking, in fact, in the interview as well and how much research should they actually do about the company? Should they look at the interviewer's LinkedIn profile? Those sort of questions. And then at the the fourth session is really a mock interview. So really it's a start to finish 30-minute interview and I'll critique them I'll critique the uh, the executive about you know how well they sort of perform, and then give them some tips to improve upon that. And then my sort of third program, my third area is called search ready, which basically combines the resume ready and the interview ready uh, scenario, but then gives the executive some tips about how to engage their networks really in helping them uncover the hidden job market and how to leverage their networks to find another opportunity. And then really the last one is sort of executive talent ready, which is basically almost exactly the same as that, except it's for organizations that are looking to retain their talent or give their talent some tools to really help them be confident in either applying for a sideways move or or promotion within the company. Because often those people are up against external people as well. Normally, people at that level are, you know, if particularly if they're looking for a promotion, then those 
people will be at a the external people would normally be at a sort of peer level to the uh, to this role so it's getting those people prepared for that so those are the sort of four main areas that I look after yeah and obviously it's something you're passionate about I can see you're lighting up when you're talking about it <laughs> well no it's, it's really really critical and how often do people actually go external and look for a role I mean I don't know how many jobs you've had Dave but you know I would imagine what five or six I mean it's not often that you go out there and look for a new role and but it's something that I deal with all the time so I know what clients and candidates and I know what search consultants are really looking for in terms of you know the people that, that come and see them. And just something you mentioned before, which could be another, uh, I guess you call it a hack, or you mentioned a question, what questions could you ask in the interview? And is there, I guess that's a very, very open question, but is there one that you've sort of seen or heard of that comes across quite well generally in most interviews? Well, I think a really, really nice one is, you know, Dave, uh, you've been at Telstra many, many years, we know for the last five years. What changes have you seen within the organization since you've been at Telstra? It's a really good one because at the end of the day, what it does, it sort of it helps you express the interest that you are interested in the role, but it's a really good question and it could lead to a load of other things. So, you know, go back to the interviewer and sort of ask them about their experiences with the company. It's a really good one. Yeah, I like that because that's applicable in, in all interviews. I must admit, yeah, some interviews I've gotten to the end, they're like, any questions? You're like, I'm just glad to, for it to be over. <laughs> so, no. But you need to, I mean, one of the worst things to do is, is say, no, I don't have any questions. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's a no-no, you know, it yeah. really is. Fantastic. Thank you very much for sharing again. And just was there any books that we could sort of pick up sort of within the same themes of, of what we're talking about today that you'd recommend we read? Well, I always recommend that any executive should probably get on their job search. William Bantz, uh, The Leader's Guide to the First 100 Days. Great. It's a cracking book. I've recommended it to loads and loads of people. I think it's available on Amazon as a Kindle as well. It's a cracking book because basically what it does is it helps the executive prepare for the interview process as well in, a, in getting them ready for the interview process. But it really gives, a, gives them a really good idea about what their first 100 days should potentially look like. And it encourages the executive to, to go out and meet with as many people as they can before they even start in the new company. I think that's such a good thing to do as well. So it's a, it's, a, it's a really, really very, very good book. Yeah, fantastic. I'll uh, be sure to pop some links up to that on thementorlist.com. And just we're on the home stretch now, so just one final question before I throw it back to you. It's just around whether, whether there's a quote that has sort of stuck with you and you could share with the listeners. Well, I think I'm, I'm not quite sure who came up with this quote, but it's either Abraham Lincoln or Benjamin Franklin or whatever it is, but I think it's it's along the lines of, and excuse both those guys of me paraphrasing it really badly, but it's along the lines of with 10 people around you, you can do anything. You can run a country or you can run a department or you can run a corporation. And I think that's probably the quote that most executives really should look, give a hard look. Every few months, they should look at their executive team and see whether you genuinely do have those 10 good people around you. Because if you do, then you can basically achieve anything. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, yeah, thank, so thanks for being so open and honest and giving us, I guess, 
I guess a perspective that you know we would be very much interested in is we are all passive job seekers. But just for those that are listening in, and I know I'll be I'll be on the PC tonight, putting a few stats in the resume, and maybe having a good look at it and and thinking about you know the listener and oh, not the listener, the reader. But yeah, for those that have have listened in and and they want to find out more or they want to you know come and see you with with one of those products and get some help with their resume or how they're sort of positioning themselves for roles. Yeah, where do they find you? Um, and, and who would sort of seek you out? Okay. So I would imagine that uh, the majority of the people that I'll be sort of assisting are mid to high senior executives, level senior executives in the mid to late later stages of their career that are looking to probably make a change within sort of six to 12 months. My website is very, very easy. It's basically very fortunate I managed to get it. A snare, the www.executiveinterviewcoaching.com.au. So I'm very happy about that. And they can also find me on LinkedIn. And there's a link on my website around that as well. So in my LinkedIn profile, I still do executive search. I'm, I'm a partner with Foley Durham as well and do continue, continually do you know, make a number of senior executive appointments as well. And that's my day job, if you like. So this, uh, the executive interview coaching is a, is, is a new initiative uh, for, for me, but, and it's one I'm very passionate about, but I think that's where my, that's where I differentiate is that I, I'm actually actively involved as an executive search consultant working in the mid market and private equity and private businesses helping them find C-suite and board roles. So I think that's where my added value comes. Fantastic. Well, yeah, thanks for making the time and for coming in to see us and, and talking to us today. And, yeah, hope you've enjoyed the show. And for everyone, tune it's in again. It's a pleasure. So week. thank you very much for having me, David. It's been great. Thank you, Richard. The Mentalist specialises in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentalist.